We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. NBA most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Ty Winnish. I am here, I guess I can't really say as always after I say I am here because I was not here last time, but I am glad to be back. Very glad to be here with my transcendent co-host, Rohan Kadi. You deserved it. You held it down last time. I missed a pod for the first time in quite a while, but I am back. Maybe I should have stayed away based on game one against Miami, a 115-104 loss to the Heat that saw the Bucks go up big early and absolutely lose control and just really just look bad in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by TE1, a terrific podcast with Greg Olson that maybe I'll just start listening to and instead of consuming basketball content for the next few days. 
DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, and BetOnline.ag. Rohan, how's it going? You know, I'm doing all right. It feels it feels good to uh, you know have someone do the intro. Like I feel safe. <laughs> it's uh, you know usually I feel good doing it. I do think this was probably my top three intro this season. I would say I was I was really feeling it. The same cannot be said for the Bucks, who, I mean, really just start off strong despite, I, I don't think even in the first quarter, I don't think they played tremendously well, but they do jump out to a 40-29 to lead. They then get outscored in three consecutive quarters. After scoring 40 in that first, they can only manage 23 points in the second, 23 points in the third, and then just 18 points in the fourth quarter on their way to this 11-point loss you know, we always start with Giannis when he plays really well. I think we should start with him on a night where he did not play very well. What is your initial takeaway on Giannis Atetokounmpo's, or as uh, Giannis, I think, is maybe the real Greek pronunciation? Who knows? It's a it's a hot topic on Twitter right now. But I mean, Spiridis is Greek, so like, I'm gonna yeah, trust like him on this one. It. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm with I you. I can't say that. Like, oh, you're pronouncing it wrong when he's Greek. And I'm an Indian living in the United States. You know, <laughs> I think I think, um, I think Bucks fans are, I think Buck fans are very sensitive in general, which I get. I really do get it. Um, but I think that's where I think there was some. I saw some back and forth, like some. How do you not get his name right? Still, he's a soon to be two time reigning MVP, and then the inevitable backlash of, well, you know, he is Greek as well, right? I, I don't know. I don't really have a strong I just feel like I, do, I can't say. I can't say. my hand, yeah, no, no one can see yeah. this right now, but my hands are up. You know? like, <laughs> um, but let's get to Giannis, Yanis, however you want to say it. I think we can both agree that his game was just bad. I don't think there's two ways to say the word bad, so we can agree on that at least, too. You can say mal Spanish. Oh, look, it's also basically mal and stop, stop dodging Giannis being bad, Rohan. You're doing a masterful <laughs> job. You're like Duncan Robinson out here. You're ducking around screens. You're you're refusing to face me here. You got to get to it someday. Uh, I okay, fine, I guess. <laughs> so Giannis is he? He didn't have a great game. It's fair to say that. And this is what all the discourse was leading into this series, right? Uh, Miami has done a d- good job defending Giannis d- throughout the regular season, even like last year. Just any Miami team, like recent Miami team, has done a good job defending Giannis, right? That's, you know what? Like, that that's, that's a fair assessment. They have. And that really showed in this game. We... We did not see the seeding game uh, Giannis that played against the Miami Heat uh, where he was just absolutely dominating. Uh, we saw a Giannis that didn't really know what he was doing when he was getting into the paint. We didn't really see if, if he even got into the paint at all. Uh, we saw a Giannis that didn't really have a firm control over the game and that resulted in a stat line of, what was it, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, but with 6 turnovers. Like, that, that's what you're going to get. 12 shots. 12 shots. Oof. Not enough shots. It, it reminds me of a Chris Middleton box score from early in the Magic series. It's just You just look at it and go, that's, that's not enough. That's not enough for a player of his caliber. Yeah, for sure. He's just he he wasn't getting into his spots. He wasn't getting into a good rhythm. Just everything 
was set up to sort of defend against Giannis and that it did a good job. Yeah. Credit, they did. credit to the Miami Heat. And he and the Bucks just did not do well enough of a job. Um, the Heat, a great defensive team coached by a great, innovative, adaptive coach. There was one of those on display in this game. We'll get more to that later. Um, but the big issue for Giannis that people are pointing out and will continue to rightly point out, in addition to 12 field goals, he attempted 12 free throws and made just four of them after starting two for two. So he shoots two for 10 over most of this ball game. I think it was the first few minutes when, when he made the first two. And I remember thinking, oh, that's good to see because I'm, I'm an idiot who never learns. Yeah, he, he nailed his first two free throws. Those are the four, first two points for Milwaukee. Yeah, so it was really yeah, very first very first points for the Bucks. Unless so I'm remembering it wrong. It, I think you're, you're correct. You're correct. It was, it was the first minute or so. So after that, for the next 47 minutes, he's two for 10, which you, you, just, you can't miss eight free throws in the game. I mean, unless you're taking like 50, which Giannis was not taking like 50 tonight. He took 12. And missed four. And that's one of those things where, like, even I think the Bucks played pretty poorly tonight by a lot of measures. And we'll go into a lot of them. They lose by 11. If they had made all of their free throws, they would have won by one point. And maybe it's unrealistic to expect to make all of them. But the Bucks go 14 for 26. 53.8% from the foul line. Not just Giannis. Wes Matthews missed one of two. Chris didn't get to the foul line, which is a problem in itself. George Hill misses two of five, and Dante DiVincenzo misses one of two. Only one buck or two bucks nail all of their free throws. Brooke Lopez and Marvin Williams, two guys who didn't play nearly enough. But the thing with me, this this is this frustrated me, has frustrated me for years. I won't say what series it really frustrated me the most in. We covered it in Binge the Bucks, which comes up and literally always every comes show. back every show. I love that it did when I was gone too. I'm glad we carried that tradition onward. Like Giannis driving against a set defense, as good as this Miami defense, that is so incredibly prepared for him to do that, is not a recipe for success. Doing that repeatedly, I mean, it's probably worse to just have him hand the ball off to George Hill or Kyle Korver and then go sit out past the three-point line and do nothing. That's probably even worse. But these straight-line drives in the set defenses where, you know, we looked at this before the game, or at least I did, and I think we both pretty much agreed like Bam Adebayo can't do it one on one. Jay Crowder can't do it one on one. The whole the, the the way you guard Giannis is you build a wall. You need it's a team effort. You need the whole team, and you make it really easy for the whole team to do that if you telegraph possessions that are basically four guys standing around not moving while Giannis dribbles and either pulls up for a three. He makes his first two and then goes zero for three over the rest of the game. I believe zero for two or zero for three in the second half. He either does that. He passes it off and stands there, or he just tries to dribble through two guys, which considering the whistle Giannis gets fairly or not, probably not, it's just not going to be a consistent recipe for success. We've seen what is a consistent recipe for success is the Chris Giannis pick and roll or the other guy in Giannis pick and roll. We should mention Eric Bledsoe missed this game. I think that does matter. I don't think it makes up for all the mistakes Milwaukee made. That is another thing. Again, Pretty close game, despite how much we're going to rip into various bucks over the next however many minutes, um, because I think it was really just another poor performance, which is not encouraging to see. But it's just too predictable. And these straight line drives against set defenses, they just really kill me. I, anytime you waste a playoff possession, it kills me because these games are close. 
and the little things can make a big difference in a game or in a series. If Milwaukee shoots better from the foul line, doesn't waste so many possessions, and doesn't have so many first-half turnovers, two of which became because Kyle Korver can't dribble but tries to, maybe they win this game. And that could swing of any number of things. So I'm frustrated, but I feel like I'm not unnecessarily. Fr- I don't think I'm overreacting in my frustration. No, you're, uh, what do you're you th- definitely you're definitely not overreacting here. These are the problems that we had feared, right? So you just get these stupid sort of you know just decisions by the team, even though they've shown they have shown that they can play at different styles and play well in different styles with different rotation. We'll get to that, uh, but just. It's just so frustrating when this team is proven time and time again. Maybe not time and time again because they haven't had to be in these situations for very long. <laughs> but they've proven that they can that like they can run with other styles, right? Like my voice is cracking. That's how upset <laughs> I am right now. I, I don't have the advanced data to find it. I think I counted. What do you, would you say? Maybe four to five Christianis pick and rolls in this game. Maybe? Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. Not many more. And what really drove me batty, I'm really, really, really trying hard to censor myself in this podcast. Try to keep it family friendly, folks. Um, but what really drove me batty was the Bucks made a concentrated effort to run Giannis DHOs and pick and rolls with Kyle Korver for a couple minutes in a row. But they did not do the same at any point consistently play in, play out for several plays until a defense stopped it with Chris Middleton and Giannis. That, that's one I'll never understand. I'll, I just won't understand it. Kyle Korver, he's not terrible. And for a while he played okay uh, in this game. I just, I don't see the appeal. I don't see the reason to play him. I mean, it's if, if he has to be making 40 plus percent of his threes, to be remotely playable. That's the only... And he had a couple good defensive plays. Good for him. One of them was a good strip. That's the one thing he can really do. If he's in position and you drive at him, he can strip the ball. It's bully for him. So could Greg Monroe. He's not on the team either. Um, and Greg the other Monroe one, reference. I, I, I think about Greg Monroe often. Um, that's how you know this is a real Bucks podcast. Um, the other one, like Andre Iguodala stepped out. I think Corver thought it was a travel at first. That, that would have been an easy layup if he didn't happen to step out. So regardless... Corver does shoot 42.9% from deep in this game, which is, again, like if he's not making at least that many, he's just not playable. Still a minus four, still one turnover. I I thought he had two. I, I guess one got credited to somebody else. I just don't get it. I mean, it may be like spot minutes if you're going to run those deliberate plays or really try to focus him. I mean, Giannis looks for him a lot. I think Giannis enjoys having him out there, but... Like, I, I think Wes Matthews has been about as good of a shooter lately. He was two for three tonight from deep in the bubble. Like, he's really been good from the corners in this series, even if he's 10% worse, which, again, I don't know that he is. I think overall on offense, he's much better because he can at least a little bit dribble, although he shouldn't dribble a lot either. Like, defensively, there's no comparison. There's just obviously no comparison. I don't understand playing Corver real minutes in this series or in any game that matters unless you really – are just like out of other options, which the Bucks were down options, but I don't think they were out of options. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't get it. I didn't like the game plan at all. I didn't think it served Milwaukee's best interest. They got Chris Middleton going early, which is big, but that fizzled out in the second half, which, again, not cohesive, just not a good look at all for pretty much any Buck there in the second half. Yeah, it just seems like everything 
fell off the rails and they just forgot who they really were. Do you want to do you want to talk about Chris Middleton a little bit? Actually, wait. Should we talk about how uh, Eric Bledsoe wasn't playing? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was I think that was actually fairly important. Oh, we do. Just if if you're looking at this right now too, Rohan, we now can sort by halves and quarters. On oh the my NBA. god, com. we are on a, just we are it. on a wavelength. I realize that right now too. <laughs> um, oh god, these second half numbers are ugly. Yeah, Bledsoe is out, which I think matters a lot, especially to the turnovers, which were a bigger problem in the first half. Although the Bucks do have eight in the second half as well, just because I think you're seeing guys who have to handle the who are handling the ball who have to because the Bucks are down one of their biggest three ball handlers. And instead of like taking almost all of those possessions and giving them to Chris and Giannis, the Bucks, of course, like just spread them to whoever is around in the first, like Wes Matthews run a DHO. Why not? Who cares? Um, I care, but, and it led to some turnovers and the heat. I mean, they were really in the first half, the turnovers were keeping them in the game. The Bucks had built a pretty strong lead. And I don't know if I can pull that number up, but I know at one point Miami had, like 20 points off Bucks turnovers. And I want to say that was either late second half or early third quarter, which or late second quarter, early third quarter, excuse me, which obviously I think they is had not 17 at half. Yeah. Turnovers. So, and they only had 40 some points at half. Oh, they, uh, had, oh, they had 60 at half. My God, they really, they really ran away with the second quarter. Um, but still almost a third of their points are fast break point or points off turnovers at that point, which you're just making it really, really easy for the other team when you cough up all these possessions. And that got the Heat back in the game for when the Bucks controlled early. And then the Heat did some other stuff that we'll get to to really take it away from there. Yeah, it just, it's it's the issue that's been plaguing the Bucks ever since they got into Orlando, right? Uh, we've talked about this ad nauseum at this point, but just not making your free throws and just turning the ball over. It was just egregious how they let Miami stay in this game because of the turnovers. In the second quarter, it was threatening to sort of run away a little bit because the Bucks had, what, like a 13-point lead, I think? No, biggest lead was 11. So they had an 11-point lead. But that's just, that's when it started to, like, if, if, if Milwaukee really took care of the ball and didn't give Miami, like, easy, easy points to cut so they could cut the lead to, like, five, four points, three points, they would have just easily run away with this game. And so their turnovers, their mistakes really just let Miami stay in this game. And that's been a problem ever since, like, you know, like I said earlier, ever since they came to Orlando. I don't know what's going on. I really do not know. But this team that prided itself on not turning the ball over at all decided to just give the ball and free points to their opponents. Just, you know, just like here, take it. Like, we're being nice. Take it. Take the ball. Take the points. Go score basket. You know, and just like they're just giving it to them. They are, and it's one of those things where, like, the way Bud coaches is going to leave the Bucks open to losing from from certain things that other teams do. I mean, surprisingly, the Heat do not really get it going from three tonight, which I, I think there's a, a couple things on both sides that ended up, um, you know, not being usual for, for these two teams. But uh, that was one thing, Milwaukee, at least for the first half, um, the Heat do shoot 46% from deep in the first half, but they only managed seven made threes. I, I guess it's not even really that bad. I don't I don't know what I'm saying. But for at least early on, again, the really like the first quarter felt like the Bucks doing things well, and then from there, they let go of the rope. But Milwaukee plays 10 guys in the first half, and I really I didn't think we were going to be here. I really foolishly 
did not believe that it was going to be like this. And we should say there was some foul trouble. Giannis gets up to three in the first half, ends up playing less than 15 minutes for the half, which even with three fouls feels very low to me. But, like, Brooke Lopez plays 14 first half minutes. He gets in foul trouble later, but he only has two in the first half. He scores 19 points, only misses one shot. Chris Middleton plays almost 20 minutes in the first half. That was the one minutes total that made me go, oh, that's good. The one that kills me is Pat Connaughton playing nearly as many minutes as Wesley Matthews and more than Marvin Williams. And this carried over to the end of the game, which I think I think we'll get to in a minute. That's that's a whole separate thing I want to get into. But I think I've been high on Pat, and I think I, I've, I firmly believe he's earned a spot in the rotation. I, I haven't changed my mind on that. That doesn't mean he plays as much as your best perimeter defender this season, at least if you don't count Giannis as such, because he's always been a help defender for whatever reason and almost always is played that way, even when they could really use him elsewhere. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand why Wes Matthews did not play more unless, I mean, maybe he's still recovering from something that happened weeks ago and he's played since. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a, a logical explanation. I thought he played really well all night, just did not play enough. Yeah, he really didn't. He was clamping Jimmy Butler and just like other Heat players. He was he was playing outstanding, outstanding defense time. And he was, like you said earlier, he was hitting his shots too, two of three from three. Just it doesn't make any sense. I guess I guess maybe the one thing I could see is if you have Pat out there, he's like he can he can run with the Heat uh when they're go super like small and athletic when Wes really can't, but Wes was showing that he's actually being productive on the court. Pat Connaughton did not show that at all. Um, can I say one good thing that we saw out of the rotation? Yes. We saw no Ursan. That's true. He, we did not get to 11 guys in this first game. Um, I actually think they should have played one more player in the in this game. Oh my I god! I thought I, you I'm were just serious. gonna say. I thought you were gonna say. I thought they should have played her. No, I'm not going to say that. That would have been quite the twist, though. No, that I think they like, should have played one more. Have guy. you have you been kidnapped? Is this is this your message? <laughs> that would have uh, that would be the only explanation for me saying that. Um, no, I think I think there was one other player they really they could have used. They probably could have relied on at points in this game and speaking of what you can rely on folks you've counted on restaurants and now they're counting on you and while their dining rooms may be closed may not be but maybe limited whatever the case is all these restaurants are still open for delivery with doordash doordash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door ordering is easy just download and open the doordash app choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local restaurants are your favorite spots are still open for delivery too. Just open the app, select your favorite local spot, and your food will be on the way. And right now, our listeners, Eurostep listeners, can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more, which... Folks, that's easy. We're all Wisconsinites here. $15, that's a snack. Uh, but you can get that when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code BLUEWIRE. That is $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. 
Don't forget that's promo code BLUEWIRE, one word, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. I said 15 bucks, and I thought, like, is am I just talking about, like, Bud's first half rotation right now, or am I talking about this great promo code? And I got confused for a second. But, hey. Hey, Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. I think it's, like, just two weeks from now. Um, with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. You will never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. You might miss Rohan trying to kill a cricket. Is that what I just heard? You know, I don't know how much this is going to show up on the recording, but yeah, <laughs> you, you're hearing me try to kill a cricket right now. <laughs> Live game action on the Eurostep. That's also what you will find on NFL Sunday Ticket, no matter where you live. NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. You guys know the promo code and gals and everyone listening. You all know the promo code BLUEWIRE. Use that at checkout at NFLSundayTicket.tv to get 15% off your subscription. That's a lot. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. I don't even know how they're going to... Stay in business with those tremendous rates. Everyone go take advantage of these deals right now. Um, speaking of taking advantage, Miami really took advantage of some poor decisions the Bucks made. Uh, Milwaukee's coaching staff, I mean, primarily Mike Budenholzer, obviously the one calling the shots, really did not think this was a good game from Bud. Um, that's putting it pretty lightly. I think there was a lot. I mean, the rotations is one thing. And if you're going to play 10 guys, I don't understand how Robin Lopez didn't get in this game. And I feel like I've been a pretty big apologist of why Robin has not played. Like, I think I've, I've gotten it for the most part. But for a lot of the third quarter, and this is when Miami really started to take this thing over, the Bucks were just using Marvin Williams on Bam Adebayo because Brooke Lopez picks up two quick fouls to start the second half. So he sits down forever because, of course. And then it's Giannis and Marvin Williams are primarily the four and five. And when Giannis isn't out there, it's just Marvin Williams, which is tough. But the Bucks do not go to Giannis on Adebayo in those. They go to Marvin Williams on Adebayo. It's just not a good matchup. Like, Marv can guard fours, threes very well. I don't think he should guard centers. I just I don't think that's what he's good at. I think that's a waste of his skills. That seems like the perfect occasion to break the glass on Robin Lopez. You got a big man who is not going to stretch out Robin Lopez, who's not... Like as for all the stuff, who Bam knows? We haven't seen we haven't seen uh, Disney Disney Rolo that much, so who knows? He might stretch out. No, I mean Bam won't stretch out. Oh, gotcha. I mean, like on like Robin can sit under the post. I mean, Bam hit some jumpers, which he had a good shooting game, I thought. But still, like I think that's a guy. That's that's the perfect time, I think, to bust open the Robin Lopez containment facility where he's like in there training with mascots, bust the door open, get him out of there, put him on the court. The lab. And he's just sitting the, in a chamber. He's, he's beating up like those blow up, like back and forth punchy things of various mascots, mostly Benny the Bull. But the glass is not broken. The containment facility, the lab is not breached. Robin Lopez does not play in this game. That confused me. Like you're really going to get to 10 guys and, and not, and I know Frank Mason played like one minute because Bledsoe was out, whatever it weird thing. I can get over that. I did not understand not switching up the out of bio coverage in that third quarter. It just felt like it was like a several minute stretch and the heat had the advantage virtually the whole time. It just, it felt inexplicable and bad to me. It really did. It showed that, you know, Bud is not really willing to sort of 
go away from his style, which is what we feared, right? <laughs> this is what we feared would happen again. Uh, hopefully, there's still time. Usually, usually the big adjustments happen not during game one, but like after game one. Because like, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like you see, you see major adjustments come after you see it, like at least a game's worth of sample size before you actually go and uh, you know go and make your changes. So hopefully, there's still time for you know the Bucks coaching staff to really like dig into what happened here and see oh yeah maybe we could have thrown Robin Lopez on Bam instead of trying to put Marvin Williams on him because every time like you said every time Bam uh was on was matched up against Marvin Williams he was getting either an easy pass or an easy layup it's just yeah, it's I mean, not a, it's not a good cover for Marvin Williams Bam is just he's too strong he's too athletic Bam Adebayo, in just under 38 minutes, scored 12 points in this game. In the third quarter, he scored somehow just four of his 12, but he also adds eight rebounds, four assists, no turnovers. He makes two of the three shots that he attempted, and Adebayo is a player who, even though he's not scoring, he can make an impact with his distribution, and he's going to take smart shots. I mean, he has six assists in the game as a whole, Four of them coming in that third quarter. It just, everything felt a lot easier for Bam. I think Miami's going to look at this and try to have him shoot more in those looks, honestly. But it just, it's just not the way you want to use Marvin Williams. I just don't understand using Marvin Williams that way. And I mean, even if Giannis is in foul trouble, I just think you give that, you give that matchup to Giannis. And that's something where, you know, whether it's his total minutes or what the Bucks ask him to do on, on defense, I think the team is way too hesitant to use him to his utmost ability as a defender. I, I think smashing the glass, I, I don't know why smashing the glass comes up so often in this podcast for me, but like the way the, the Raptors toggled Kawhi onto Giannis, and again, that, that took games as well, but and maybe that's an adjustment we'll see later. I, I think Giannis needs to be doing more of that. And again, I don't know. You know, is it Giannis's preference that he plays more help defense than than locking up guys? I wouldn't think so, based on his competitiveness and and the fact that he knows he's a great player. I I don't know for sure. Um, I would think it's more of a schematic thing, but just keeping him so far away from the actions can really allow other teams to get rolling. And when we get to break down how this game ended, I think that was like the exclamation point on that idea of. You know, maybe you stash him away for the rest of the game, but when things are heating up, I think you want your best defender around the play every single time. Yeah, you really do. You, you, it's it's weird. You have a defensive player of the year on your roster, freshly crowned, right? And you're just not letting him really get into the actions. And it just, like you said, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. You need to come up with ways that you can have, you know, just, just, this monstrous force just you know impact the plays when they're getting you know when the opposing team is going on runs because these these games matter these individual minutes they matter now this matters this is the second round of the playoffs against a team who is well equipped to you know upset you so if you have if you have the personnel i just don't understand why you wouldn't use it you know that's what's that's what's really getting to me yeah, and I think, and let's, you know what, let's get right to the second half, fourth quarter, what what ended up deciding this game ultimately. And I think 
I think we already touched on Milwaukee's lack of execution. I, I don't even like being down blood so hurts. They still have the personnel that they need to be a lot better on offense than they were. And I think Brooke Lopez had a great first half. So does Chris Middleton. Both players largely disappear in the second half. Brooke Lopez ends up playing just 13 minutes in the second half. Remember, he gets to four fouls, and he stays there for the rest of the game. That's where Brooke Lopez ends. Chris Middleton ultimately fouls out. He plays 17 minutes. He only makes three of his 10 attempted shots in those 17 minutes. Just didn't play as well, but it didn't feel like he was put in great positions to win. But those two drying up really just... They left such a huge void in scoring. The Bucks were unable to do anything with. And ultimately, it ends up allowing the Heat to... I mean, they scored 23 points in the fourth quarter. Miami does. That's not a ton, but the Bucks only score 18. So clearly, it was enough. Yeah, it really was. I guess... I guess it's sort of like Chris sort of, you know, in terms of him, you know, drying up in the second half, it seemed like there was a lot of plays where he was just getting frustrated with officials. <laughs> he felt like he was getting fouled a lot and nothing, no calls were going his way. And it seemed like he was really getting, getting frustrated with the plays, getting in his own head after he was just in such a silky smooth rhythm in the first half, he was just pulling up and taking whatever shot he wanted and making most of them, which like that was just that was beautiful first half Chris Middleton that was that was just gorgeous basketball being played out there I just had a giant smile on my face I was like this this is what we were waiting for this is Chris playing like this is Chris playing like a freaking superstar in a playoff series uh and then the second half came and he got in his own head I think I think he got in his own head or he was just being hacked and it was not being called. But I don't, I don't really want to say that because that kind of feels cheap, you know? Yeah. But I maybe mean, was... I think, no, finish your thought. Please. No, I just, maybe he was getting in his own head. I think the issue is he over relied on his jumper and it's easy to do that when you have as good of a jumper as Chris Middleton does. But we were so excited to see him work on his, his drive game, and it felt like he really was unable to get that going against Miami. And I think that's the shot you need to turn to when you do miss a couple jumpers in a row, which every great, even great shooters will, will get there, will have a little funks. You know, the way to be a transcendent offensive player, though, is to get to a really high percentage look. When you're in that funk, just see some something go down, whether it's a shot at the basket, maybe a floater. I mean, he has some nice turnaround post-up stuff that he did earlier. It felt like he didn't go to as much late or even free throws, which again, he doesn't draw any free throws, which is a huge issue. Uh, need to need to initiate more contact. I mean, that's you could say what you want about the referees, but when Chris Middleton doesn't draw a single free throw, I mean, the Bucks are going to get outshot from the free throw line. They, they need him to, to draw free throw attempts, and, and he didn't do it. But I think the biggest, and I, I kind of hinted at rotational stuff and, and, and the Robin Lopez thing and like Kyle Korver and Pat Connaughton playing way too many minutes. I believe these are the second half minutes for the Bucks. They have to be because I don't think Giannis played 21 minutes in one quarter. That would be really impressive. Second half. So Jimmy Butler ends with 40 points. Do you know how many he had in the first half? Um, I don't have it up right now. In the first half, 13. I want to say Jimmy. 13. Cool. I was going to say 11. 13 points. So he has 27 in the second half. The Heat win those minutes by 14 points. They won the game by 11 points. He shoots 9 of 11 from the field, 2 of 2 from deep, and 7 of 7 from the free throw line. 
Um, my my guy Cam, and I don't uh, somehow I'm blanking on Cam's last name right now, but uh, Cam, who is a Lakers guy, I'm gonna pull it up. So I want to give him credit because he tweeted basically Cameron Hay. Sorry about that, Cam. Um, he tweeted he didn't understand why Wes Matthews was in Jimmy Butler's grill far beyond the arc on some of those first half possessions. Jimmy doesn't take a three in the first half. He takes and makes two in the second half. That's six points. Again, an 11-point game where the Bucks missed a ton of free throws. These little things make a big difference. But 9 of 11 from the field in general. I mean, Jimmy was ridiculous in the second half and in the fourth quarter particularly. He plays 18 minutes and scores 27 points. In the second half, Wes Matthews played 8 minutes and 23 seconds. Not in foul trouble. Really good game offensively, hitting the shots he took. He plays 8 minutes and 23 seconds in the entire second half. He plays just 2 minutes in the fourth quarter. Here are some other players' minutes totals in the second half. George Hill, 20 minutes, fine. He's the only point guard he's got to. Marvin Williams, 11 minutes. Don't really get that one. I think if anyone on the bench is playing a lot of minutes, it should be Marvin Williams, who I I think has just been tremendous. He plays just under 11. Kyle Korver plays 9 second-half minutes. Dante DiVincenzo plays 6 second-half minutes. Pat Connaughton plays 13 and a half second half minutes. So Connaughton plays more than Brooke Lopez or Wesley Matthews. Connaughton and Corver both both play more than Wesley Matthews. Corver and DiVincenzo combined play more than Brooke Lopez or Wesley Matthews. I don't get it. I just don't get it. And there's only, I mean, I, I've really, I feel like I have tried to understand the full Mike Budenholzer experience. I have tried to look at the bright sides of how he has coached. This whole season long, we've been looking for positives and things that could translate to these exact moments in these tight, tough playoff games where a bit of coaching can make a huge difference. And then, and maybe something was up with West. I don't know. We'll look post game and, and see if he says anything. I have not heard that so far. I, I have no reason to believe that. And we just still see like these inexplicable random bench wings play all these minutes and it basically canceled out all of Wes's great work in the first half because now Jimmy Butler runs roughshod guard by Chris Middleton, who is a good defender, not as good, I think, as on guys like Jimmy as, as Wes, who I think is an all-defensive caliber player. And like sometimes he's got Condon on him, and that's just lunch meat. So really frustrating, inexplicable stuff that I, I just don't get personally. Yeah, it's it's a wild concept to maybe have good defenders guard you know the opposing team's best players. Like I personally, I'm not an NBA head coach, right, Ty? Um, I I also am not, despite how how fiercely I might talk like I am sometimes. You know what? There's there's 30 of them in the entire world, uh, NBA head coaches. There's actually less uh, right so, now. So you know, maybe there's I'm like, going. There's like 28, what? I think. A few got fired. And oh haven't yeah. Been replaced yet? I guess. Oh wait. So uh, wait, who? Nets. Nets. Knicks. Nets. No, Knicks. Pacers. Pelicans. Sixers. That's yeah, four. so I think there's there's like 20, 26 or 25 only currently. So, yeah, not a lot of them. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm qualified to say that, you know, maybe putting good defenders on the other team's best player is a good plan, right? Uh, but you know what? It might be a shot. It might It might be worth giving a shot because it worked for you. You know, like you said, Wes Matthews on Jimmy Butler was resulting in good results. And putting, like, you know, like Pat Connaughton, some, someone else on him, doesn't really work, you know? Um, so, you know what? Like, again, not qualified. But, you know, maybe maybe try using logic, you know? 
might might be might be I'm I'm talking a little spicy right now, but I'm actually like I'm actually upset. Like this shouldn't be that difficult in theory, right? Unless I'm missing something massive here. But this shouldn't be this difficult, especially when you have the capable personnel and you're just choosing not to use them in the way that would maximize their talents. I just, I, or, I'm I mean, just or use them at all. I mean, two minutes and forty-two seconds. That's what Wes Matthew plays in the fourth quarter. The Bucks lose those lose those few minutes by one point, which they lost everybody's minutes somehow except Kyle Korver. Shouts to plus-minus God in this game, Kyle Korver, who made his only a shot attempt in five minutes. They won his minutes by four. But West plays two minutes and 42 seconds, records no stats aside from a lone block, and just doesn't play again. And I, I for the life of me, cannot figure – I don't know what – I don't know what Pat Connaughton gives you that West Matthews doesn't give you, especially watching everybody else get torched by Jimmy Butler, except Giannis, who does not get a shot to defend him, as we mentioned already. And that's that's the game. I mean, that, that's, that was the game. Jimmy Butler went down and won this game. I mean, it ends up – a lot of things go into it. I mean, the Heat outscored the Bucks 42-24 to in the paint. Again, a lot of that is Brooke Lopez getting played off the floor or just not being played because of some foul trouble and, and other reasons, whatever. But I would imagine that number is a lot lower with Brooke out there. But the Bucks also don't get to the paint. They only scored 24 points in the paint to Miami's 42. The Heat were a better rebounding team in this game. They scored 13 second chance points. It started early, I think. Miami's first bucket was a Jimmy Butler tip-in, and it felt like they got way too many offensive rebounds throughout. They get 13 second-chance points. Milwaukee just gets four. Uh, again, the Bucks have only three more total turnovers than the Heat, 19-16, to 16, but the Bucks score 10 points off turnovers, and the Heat score a whopping 28 points. Again, that 18-point differential, literally the game, but what it came down to in the end was Jimmy Butler was not going to be denied late. He takes eight shots in the fourth, makes six, th- six of them, scores 15 points himself. The rest of the Heat combined score eight points, including Tyler Harrow, who made two triples. Whitnall's own, I believe. Um, and, and that was a difference. And I just don't understand how... And there were timeouts during this. It wasn't like it was nine uninterrupted minutes with no chance for a sub. I don't get how you don't look at that and go... Well, Wes has played him pretty well. Let's try it. If anybody, or maybe double him, maybe do something besides just play him straight up and, and watch him. Cook, exactly. Do which is what something. Happened. But yeah. Wes, it's just such an odd, like, put, just put Wes on him. Give Wes a chance at least. I mean, he's been so good defensively, and he's just not out there. And again, if an injury comes out, I'll get it. Haven't seen anything like that yet. Uh, I've seen some quotes from Chris and Giannis uh, on Twitter from Bucks Beat folks. Haven't seen anything about Wes. I don't understand it. I, I won't understand it again unless there's some circumstance we don't know about. But it it was one of many things that could have potentially cost the Bucks this game, or that that yeah, did. Go, you can't identify which one thing, but one of many things that contributed contributed. I'm getting too excited for my own good to the Bucks losing this game. Yeah, just going back on one thing you mentioned, just you know uh, the uh, points off turnovers, like the Bucks, you know, didn't get they. They forced like almost as many turnovers as they committed, but they couldn't get any uh, points in transition. Maybe, you know, playing guys who can actually get back in transition on defense might, you know, might be a good idea. You know, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess maybe it's like um, roster construction at this point, maybe, because like, who are you going to throw out? I guess Bledsoe being out again is just a 
massive loss because he's point of attack defense. Uh, who I don't we've barely touched on Dragic, who just went off uh, twenty seven points in thirty three minutes, and just you know just getting back to starting in the bubble after whatever happened to Kendrick Nunn. Um, oh wait, he had coronavirus, didn't he? Uh, I think he he was also just kind of excised from the rotation for a while. That's fair. I think he he got healthy and just wasn't played because I think Dragic was playing so well. Um, he he quieted down in the second half. That's again, I think that's like a big potential Bledsoe difference maker is Dragic's play because he was getting those looks off. That's the reason that, that Miami was able to actually stay within striking distance. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Dragic was really comfortable getting around screens and George Hill. I think I think he fought well. I think the Bucks in general fought hard. I think they lost the rope late in this game and, and did not fight hard late in the fourth. I think they gave up a little bit, but uh, early, like I thought, George Hill was trying, but he's just not as good as Eric Bledsoe. I mean, no one is really as good as Eric Bledsoe at that specific thing, and it showed. And Dragic got good looks on floaters and pull-ups uh, heading toward the rim. I want to briefly. I wish to say some things that Miami just did well. I, I don't. I don't want to be that podcast who just sits here and says, you know, the Bucks' mistakes are the only reason they ever lose. I think Miami did play a hell of a ball game. I thought, despite. Duncan Robinson being largely neutralized, which I think Matt Moore was the one who said he figured Milwaukee would go out of their way to just neutralize him like they did with Danny Green in the conference finals. Last year, they did. He only takes four total shots. All of them threes, only makes one. He looked uncomfortable all night. Does have three assists and nice playmaking from D-Rob, but not a big game from him. Miami still manages to run up 115 points, which can be hard to do when a guy that good on offense just does not get going. The reason for that, like you mentioned, Butler and Dragic were just phenomenal. 67 points between them. Nobody else on Miami's team scores more than 12. I think their their role players are capable of being a little bit better, although Jay Crowder continues to just hit every freaking three somehow. But those two guys... He are sucks gonna, at threes. I don't know why he just makes them all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I don't get I don't, It's very He is the it's worst... A three-point shooter I've seen out of a guy whose reputation is being a three and D player. Honestly, yeah. he's terrible. But he goes it, three for seven tonight. He's terrible against other teams, and you know what? He had a bad first round shooting him too. I, I literally I looked at that and I go, finally, it's the the percentages are catching up with old Jay Crowder. He's finally ready to go cold, and he shoots forty-three percent. But the key to the the first key to the Bucks turning this around, besides just cleaning up all the stuff they did terribly is definitely going to be trying to limit Dragic and Butler. If Bledsoe can come back and, and be 100%, that'll help. But he's got a hamstring injury that kept – it was a late scratch on this one after popping up, I think, yesterday on the injury report. It We really don't know how long it'll take to, for him to play again or what he'll look like when he comes back, which is I pretty troubling there, considering this game. I think there was optimism for him to come back in Game 2, if I heard on the broadcast correctly. I think. Okay. I might be, I might be just completely off base here. But I believe, based on the reporting that's out there, it's not deemed to be super serious. They termed it awareness yesterday, which was just weird. Hamstring awareness. The weirdest injury talking team in the league. uh, They're not the Philadelphia. I guess. No, the 76ers just injure their own team, I guess. (laughs) And they they, they just lie. I think the, the Bucks just don't know what terms to use. I think, didn't Giannis have like tooth awareness at some point? (laughs) <laughs> from his dental surgery <laughs> yeah his oral surgery yeah just oh 
what what is hamstring awareness they sound like it's like they're at a fundraiser for like something about hamstrings <laughs> uh bledsoe was a dmp raising money for pulled hammies everywhere <laughs> hamstring awareness month it's just what what does that mean I'm glad we can find some things to laugh at in these trying times. <laughs> Honestly, I think I think it means that there there is something they're monitoring, like they're I just did air quotes, like aware <laughs> of something. Uh, just I don't know. It's just weird, but hopefully he'll be back in game two, uh, healthy and be able to play and play at a high level because they really need him. Yeah, they, they, I was exactly. I was gonna say the same thing. They they could really use him to come through and play well, and I think just kind of break up the monotony of their offense. I also just think they just need to run better stuff. But um, and How that's about run thing things. Put, yeah, I mean they 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 run some stuff here and there, but way too much simplistic stuff. Uh, again, just the honest straight line drives are just very frustrating to me. Oh, we got. Some- Was that a wolf? Yeah, we got to. No, it's just an oof. We got us. We got some spice on the timeline. Uh, we got Zach Levine tweeting that Jimmy was the best player on the floor from the jump. It's not true. He didn't have a good first half. I saw the tweet too. Um, he's clearly the best player in the second half of this game, though. Um, so, for all intents I mean, and purposes, clearly not Chris wrong. Middleton was the best player from you know the tip. Uh, not all the way through. Not all the way through, obviously. But like in first, the first half, yeah. Chris was probably the, Chris or Brooke was the best player on the floor. Dragic up there as well. But second half, and I, I think the game as a whole. I mean, Butler puts up forty points. Mm-hmm. I mean, hard yeah, to argue. I don't think we. Yeah, based on what Miami Jimmy was just Marquette's own. I can't hate on Jimmy that much. Um, but he was. Can just, you still hate on Jay Crowder? Darn it! I did, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna let you slide on that. I'm calling it. BS. Okay, glad. Thank you for holding me accountable. Uh, I'm sorry, Jay Crowder. Um, but yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy was just he. Yeah, like you said earlier, he went out there and he won that game for them. He was just phenomenal. Does he have it in him again? That was his playoff career high. Can he do that three more times? Can he do that while guarded by Wes Matthews? Hopefully, we find out. Hopefully, that'd be that'd be ideal. Yeah, I just think. I don't know. Just very frustrating. I don't know. It's the TikTok song. But I, it's just very frustrating results. How do you do, fellow I, I, kids? <laughs> we need we need to pick up our younger demographics, Rohan. We're going to do eight-second podcasts from here on out. <laughs> um, it's just you and me both saying, yeah, no, yeah. Um, <laughs> the most Wisconsin way possible. It's just every Midwestern podcast goes that way. Uh, what what else? What else do you have from this game? What, what do you want to? What what have I missed? I feel like I've monopolized the pot. I feel like I'm I'm chucking every shot after missing the last game. What what have you been mulling over since the game ended? I mean, I think I think this should be a relatively easy fix for milwaukee like you if you just cut down on turn if okay one if you hit your free throws it's a drastically different game right rohan has an 86 step plan that's a very easy (laughs) fix for the bucks in this series please continue okay two (laughs) limit your turnovers three maybe don't play frank mason or four maybe do play frank mason listen frank mason the results not in he was a plus two if you extrapolate the numbers, the Bucks win by a ton. He's about plus one per minute in this game. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. He's better than Dante. Did we talk about how bad Dante was? No. He still plays 14 minutes, though. 0 for 1 from the field. 
And his miss was like, like, I feel like, I don't know how he was 0 for 1 from the field with two free throws, because I feel like he missed like eight looks at the rim. Um, he pulls down two offensive boards, four total rebounds, two assists, one turnover, one point, minus one total. It just doesn't look like the same player. And I think I think if he did, he would have started. This was getting contentious. Some people were getting upset at me for saying this. Like, I thought like him being so bad in the bubble is why George Hill started. And I felt a lot better at that take when Frank Mason checked in before Dante DiVincenzo in this game. Although Dante plays far more minutes for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, just he's still very uninspiring to me. Yeah, the one miss he had, it was just... He it was the most Dante sequence possible. Pulls down a big boy offensive rebound and then just bricks a wide open bunny. Yeah. Just it was just I I don't know, man. I just I I don't know. He's just he's terrible. I would honestly rather play like, you know, step four. I was right. Uh play Frank Mason more and then step five <laughs> is cut out Dante. You might actually get to eighty six if you keep going. I honestly might. I can talk for a while. <laughs> Um, step. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what step I'm on. Six. I think play five. Marvin Williams more. Yes. Okay. So I'm glad you got there. It was a roundabout, <laughs> an odd series. It, it was a Dante DiVincenzo drive, but we did get there. Um, another guy like Wes Matthews, who uh, Wes plays 23 minutes, Marvin Williams plays 21 minutes, and I get. I mean, these are veterans. They they've had long NBA careers. They have a lot of miles. I think these guys could handle. 28 minutes at least that's not a ton of minutes that's not a lot i think that's like normal teams i think play their bench guys 28 minutes marvin williams two for five from the field no attempted threes which is rare for him again one of just two guys to make all the free throws two rebounds one assist one steal one block three fouls no turnovers just not another good game i just think he acquits himself well in every single game i think he should be one of the bench players to play a lot of minutes. I still don't think he plays enough for how useful he is. And in this game, I just don't think he was in a position to succeed. Playing him at the center is very stupid to me. It reminds me of playing Ersan and Nikola Mirotic there. Except now there's no reason to do those things because the Bucks do have a backup center. But if you wonder why Marv didn't have any three-point attempts, it's because he's like having to do center stuff. And he's not a center. No, he's really not. It's just... I don't know if we've even seen this, but like Marv at the four, Giannis at the five seems like the easiest solution possible. And we just and, don't. And they have those two guys at the four and the five, but for whatever reason, Giannis is essentially playing the four and Marv is playing the five, which I don't think is optimal. Hey, I mean, it's better than, you know, not playing those two together. I guess it's progress. Um, the bar is the Ooh, floor. The bar is yeah, yeah. below the floor. I, the we bar were the is in the basement. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Ugh. I okay. I'm not gonna lie. In the first half, I thought I was gonna be taking a victory lap on this podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. What what take? Uh, just you know, like oh, why why are we worrying about Miami? I mean, I I can't say that when I've been the biggest like. Oh, we need to be scared of Miami throughout the entire year. I I think I was right on that. Maybe a little bit. Not that I want to take credit, but like. I guess I underestimated the Heat on the same token. It's just, they're good. They match up with Milwaukee well. This is going to be a fun series. I think Milwaukee can clean it up, but this is going to be fun. I still think the Bucks could win. I think uh, I still think the Bucks can, can and should win this series. Yeah, I mean, like I, even with the Heat defending him so well, I don't see Giannis having this quiet slash bad of a game again this series. I just don't. He's just too good. 
Um, the Bucks need to do them some favors. Hopefully they will. The optimists, and bless their hearts, we, we do need them in these trying times, are already pointing out that, you know, the Raptors lose a ton of game ones and just lost another one, but on their championship run, lost a ton of game ones. The Bucks lost a very ugly game one to Boston that I think I think we both, but you more than me, overreacted to last year um, on separate podcasts. Uh, obviously, they lost game one against Orlando, which I still think is is not something I've I've entirely said. Ah, uh, uh, well, that won't end up mattering. So I think some of these same issues, especially on the coaching side, have cropped up. But it's not over. I still think they could win the series. I still think they will win the series, honestly. And maybe we'll look silly in in a few games. Hopefully not. But they need to play a lot better, and pretty much to a man, need to play a lot better. Um. Is there anything else? We should probably talk about Brooke Lopez, who had a similar game to Chris Middleton, sort of a disappearing act in the second half. What were your Brooke takes? I mean, it's sort of similar to my Chris takes in that initially it was like, oh, okay, he's back. This is Disney Brooke. He's he's fully back. He's fully balling. And then he just he picks up some like just some dumb fouls. I want to say. Like, yeah, that, I thought I, I I thought they were tough fouls, but I I think they were both like they weren't phantom calls. They weren't phantom calls, but they also like that kind of stuff was being let go throughout the game on both sides. Yeah, so it's just kind of hard to take that seriously. Like I'm not saying the Bucks were screwed out of like some free throws or anything here. I'm just trying to say like the officials like on those Brook calls were like letting that go for both teams some an occasion so it was just it was weird um but i thought he he was playing a he was playing really well he was doing a great job on bam um he was he was dominating him on the offensive end he was just locking him up defensively it was it was a good showing from brook if he can get out of foul trouble and just you know like be able to stay in the game um, and then continue this offensive uh, tear that he's been on ever since he came into the bubble. I think he'll be better. He just needs to cut down on his fouls. Yeah, I think he probably still should have played more, but but I agree with you. I think the fouls were a big part of it. I, I don't think the issue was he didn't play well in the second half. I just don't think he played enough. But it was nice to see that that he showed that he can still you know, be a big difference maker and contribute. I mean, really great first half, scores 24 points on 10 shot attempts. I mean, he's not going to make 66% of his threes the whole game. And again, another reason for concern is the Bucks do shoot pretty well from three as a whole. But um, Brooke just, I mean, he's a difference maker. You got to get him out there for major minutes. He has to play a lot. Like he's just very, very good. And even with some foul trouble, 27 is just not enough, in my opinion, for a player of his caliber who is just kind of a nightmare for the Heat, especially when Bam Adebayo is distracted with Giannis, either looking for him or actually guarding him. Yeah, it's just it's what makes Brooks such a perfect fit with Giannis, right? He can uh, be a stout rim protector inside and, you know, be able to stretch out the defense on the offensive side. It's just, and that works especially against Miami who wants to load up on the inside. Just being able to have someone who can stretch out, but also like take advantage of mismatches, it's just it's perfect. So, like you said, he just needs he needs to play more. It's plain yeah. and simple. Um, I think 
I think he will play more if he has less than four fouls. Like, I because th- he played he played a decent amount in the first half, but just the second half when he started picking up quick fouls, then he just got the he got the yank. Um, but you know, this is a this is a hot take. I don't know why I'm explaining this right now, but like, even if you have four fouls in the third quarter, I still think you should play. Yeah, no, I think I think that's becoming more popular. That idea, like, let your best players. Because how often out how to, do you foul out, really? Yeah, you know. Yeah, and somehow Chris ends up fouling so out the I, one guy who didn't seem like he was in foul trouble for most of the game. Yeah, like he Giannis was in early foul trouble, right? He still finishes with only three fouls. Like yeah, Brook Lopez, he, even <laughs> though he didn't, he 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 still finished with only four. Like he didn't foul out, right? So just play no, your guys. Yeah. Trust them. Yep. Yeah, trust the guys. So. <sighs> I'm just I'm still upset about Pat Connaughton and Kyle Korver playing over West. I think West that'll go down minutes. when Bledsoe's back. I do too, but it's inexcusable either way. Yeah, it's just course. inexcusable. Like Connaughton and the closing lineup when Jimmy Butler's, it's inexcusable. And I, you know, that <laughs> I tweeted um, the Bucks can fix a lot of what went wrong for them in this game by game two. They cannot fix their, I, I don't know if I said sizable or tremendous, I think sizable, coaching disadvantage in this series. It's on display. And listen, if Bud wants to prove me wrong and coach a marvelous rest of the series and the Bucks win in five games, totally here for it. I would love to recalibrate that take. Again, I had been pretty pretty high on, on Bud, you know, learning from past mistakes in, in the last postseason run and in his prior career and coming out better than ever. We haven't seen it. We just we still haven't seen it. We're really running out of time to see it. And again, remember how important we said game two against Orlando was going to be? I think this game two against Miami might be maybe not that important, but pretty close. You do not want to go down 0-2 to this heat game and have to rattle off four wins and six tries. I mean, that's you're now you're really in a hole, and it's just like how often are the Bucks going to skate by with these performances where we all shake our heads and go, well, they're going to have to be better than this, but they can do it. Like, feels eventually like you have a lot chances lately. to do it. Really We've been saying like... it way too much. Yep. We've been saying it on every pod, really, since the bubble started. At least since the since the seeding games. Yeah. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's one of the I weird we, things. The we've had like, games that look great. We've had, like, one really positive episode of the bubble, and that was after the <laughs> Miami comeback. Could use another one of those. Honestly. Well, they're going to have to now. They're down in the series again. That's factual. Bucks in six, though. Yeah, you got to lose two to win in six. (laughs) If if the Bucks do win in six against Miami, can we retire that? I don't think it'll ever be retired. That's fair. My my best interview question of all time. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. No, of course. You're right. You're an icon forever, Ty. Because you got it's bad for my brand if we if we move away from that, so we're sticking to it. <laughs> okay, on this here, pod. you know what? That is fair. I respect that. <laughs> oh, oh I, do you have anything left? I feel like I wore myself out. Yeah, uh, not really. I don't really have anything left to say. It just, I guess, just a weird quirk. Why on earth did Frank Mason play a minute and forty seconds? I'll never understand, and I mean never. I will. I'm not even gonna try. It's like. I remember when I was a kid, I tried to think really hard after I found out what it was about the concept of infinity, an infinity long time, and it really hurt my brain, and I just decided, you know what, 
I'm not going to think about infinity this hard ever again because I'm not going to get anywhere. And that's where I'm at with Frank Mason's one minute and 42 seconds or whatever it was. Um, my final thought, I think Bud is just going to be Bud by and large. I think Bledsoe coming back would help. We'll see what ex- how exactly that happens or if or when. Um, then we're still just going to see some inexplicable stuff like this going forward. So I think the meaningful change for the Bucks. Giannis is going to have to be better. And it's a lot on his shoulders. It's probably an unfair amount on his shoulders. He's just going to have to play a whole lot better for the Bucks to come out and win. I think he will. I mean, again, no, I, I mean, is it too much? He is their best player. He is the league MVP. He's about to repeat his MVP. Is it right. too much? It's probably – I mean, I, I I don't think it's too much for him to, to ask him to play better than he played tonight. I think maybe it's too much to ask him to overcome a coaching discrepancy in every meaningful series. That's is fair. what I meant when I said it's it's a lot on his shoulders. But you're right. He should have sky-high expectations. He's going to have to be better. But I think that's going to be the most meaningful thing to watch. And some of it's a team-wide thing. Some of it's just a him thing, especially the free throws. He's going to have to be a lot better. I think that's my the number one thing that needs to happen. Before it was Chris, and he needs to be more consistent and get to the rim more and draw more fouls. But now it's like, to be honest, just has to be better than this. So that's my probably my final thought from this game. Yeah. I guess I'll just part with a little bit of positivity. Uh, that sequence in the, I think it was the first quarter where Butler went up for a dunk and Giannis was, oh. Giannis just said no, leading to a crisp pull up three in transition. Mm. Like my goodness, felt like a million years ago. That that was that was a sexy sequence if I've ever seen it. It was hot. Honestly, I felt some things. <laughs> What a way to close. I love the positivity. Are you with me on Bucks and Six right now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm glad we can we Bucks can agree. And six. Always. That's what I, I said that that's, that was my prediction. I'm gonna stick with it. I was either five or six, but I feel good about Bucks and Six. We need it. Yep, because they, the they are down oh one now. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not gonna be four. Yep. So they play game two on Wednesday at a certain time that I was actually planning on looking up but didn't <laughs> I think it's roughly the same time. This, it's not a day game. This is so predictable. We were talking before we started recording about how it's on brand for me to not remember, but I was actually going to try and look this up and I didn't. Uh, <laughs> Wednesday <laughs> at 5:30, same exact time. Same time. Which actually apparently means like 5:58. Yeah, what was that? It happens every game. They had to carve out time for Brandon Ingram's most improved player award that didn't work because the Zoom call fizzled out. Yeah, he was also he was he was doing some stuff. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, He's about to make an insane amount of money. My guy, get some fiber internet. (laughs) You know, seriously. Yeah, (laughs) I mean your other things. You do you, man. But like. I think the Wiz Khalifa comps are there's merit. <laughs> there's merit in those comps. Yep. It's, that's so, what I'll close on for. That's the real closer. Yeah. So game I was about to say game seven. Uh game two is Wednesday at around six o'clock, uh actual start time. Uh we will be with you on our podcast normally. Wow, fumbled <laughs> back there. We will come with we will have a podcast after that show as a recap, as usual, as we've been doing. But for right now, I'd like to say thank you for listening to this wild, wild episode of the Eurostep here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave a rating and subscribe 
on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure to tell all your friends and family about the show as well. And check out all of the content being put out across the entire Blue Wire network. Uh, but before I let you go, I want to talk to you guys about Bet Online. As you guys know, the NBA and NHL playoffs are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered on all of the action, uh, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. Uh, also, the MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.